Hey everybody, welcome back to another special edition of the things I haven't even told my therapist. Today comes as the second of a three-part series with the Bowdoin Student Athlete Advisory Committee as part of the NESCAC's 2022 Mental Health Week. For new listeners, my name is Connor Lloyd. I'm an all-else pretty normal college student who has dealt with depression and anxiety. Through the lens of my experience and the stories of my friends, I want to change the way that we as academic institutions, athletic organizations, and overall society address matters of mental health. This particular week comes with the goal that by raising awareness on NESCAC campuses, we can break the stigmas surrounding mental health. Hopefully, by more actively opening conversations within the realm of athletics, we can bring coaches and athletes together around this topic. By all schools designing their own approach this week and the conversations around the given themes, they hope to create cohesion among NESCAC institutions on prioritizing mental health in the student-athlete experience. Each day of this Mental Health Week has a specific theme or idea associated with a different realm of growth. Today's is the matter of mental health during times of uncertainty. Looking back over the last two years, this obviously comes with the COVID pandemic very much in the front of our minds. This time posed some tremendous changes and different levels of strain upon everyone's lives. Here at Bowdoin, the student way of life changed immensely. Within the scope of athletics, many competitors lost their ability to interact with teammates and step on the field alongside them for a long time. All the while around the country, schools approached the pandemic in very different manners. Seeing how some schools took alternative routes to handling the pandemic left many in our community frustrated and hurt. To discuss the student-athlete experience through this time, while also being able to explain the college's decisions, I invited our athletic director, Tim Ryan, into the studio. Tim was a polar bear class of 1998, football team captain, and a member of the ResLife staff. From his time as a student-athlete all the way up to his current role of administrator, he is a strong, but more importantly, genuine supporter of each member of the Bowdoin campus community. Our conversation ranged from the college's COVID response to his own vision for how discussions of mental health can strengthen both our athletic and overall student experience, with the goal that we can leave this past two years behind us and focus on the possibilities for growth moving forward. Enjoy. Today, I would like to welcome the Bowdoin College, Ashmead White, Director of Athletics, Tim Ryan, to the studio. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. It's great to be here, Connor. Thanks for the invitation. Well, talking about the COVID pandemic greatly impacted the lives of athletes. Many on this campus have expressed a lot of frustration with the college's haste in sort of jumping to such conclusions, particularly cutting off athletic seasons and events so early, sort of questioning the necessity of such, such steps and mm-hmm. the administration's level of care for student athletes and their sports altogether. I wanted to give you the opportunity opportunity to share your side of the story. Obviously, you play a huge role as the bridge between administration and athletics and sort of being the voice of two sides, which I'm sure can be a very complicated, confusing, and probably frustrating role. But what were those conversations like? And what led to those decisions being made in such a way? Sure. Yeah, no, I, uh, I appreciate the question. I've spent quite a bit of time over the last couple of years trying to put myself in the position of a current student and a student athlete. And I think the first thing when talking about, um, you know, everything that has transpired with the pandemic, I think is just to acknowledge that it's been really, really hard for everybody, whether you're a student, a coach, an administrator, someone who, you know, is on the, the board of trustees. I mean, anyone associated with a higher education institution, it's been uh, a couple of years of some really, really difficult questions and some really, really difficult decisions to make. And they're all surrounding a life and death issue, um, which I think raises the stakes considerably. So w- with that being said, and, and just acknowledging the, the challenges that, that everyone has faced, you know, for us, it was 
largely a question of following the, the direction that the institution was taking in terms of managing the pandemic. And right from the start in the spring of 2020, myself and Jim Caton, who's our assistant athletic director for communications, were fortunate enough to be on a, a working group on campus that was put together to bring ideas to the table and think about the ways in which we were going to approach the fall of 2020. And at that time, there were so many unknowns associated with the pandemic. Um, it made for you know, cha challenging work, but great work and the opportunity to partner with faculty and staff from across campus. So I felt as though we were representing athletics as part of those conversations, but we were also working for the greater good of the entire community. And I think that perspective continued on as decisions were made in terms of the approach that was going to be taken during the 2020-2021 academic year. And when the decision was made to have first years come back to campus, that really put us into the mode of trying to find a way to provide the best experience possible mm. athletically for the students who were going to be here on campus. And certainly with it um, only being first years and students who you know couldn't be successful at home, on campus, we weren't going to be able to field teams that were going to compete against other teams, and a lot of institutions weren't competing in that, you know, fall and winter season of, of 2020. So, you know, we really tried to use sport as a vehicle to find some joy in the day. So if it's six or eight people hitting the field hockey ball around on Ryan Field, hopefully that brings a smile to people's faces and allows them to kind of step outside of the day-to-day -day challenges of managing the pandemic that we were all were facing. As it shifted into, you know, late into the spring semester of, of last year and then thinking about this year, we were, again, fortunate to be involved in conversations about, you know, ways in which athletics would be impacted based upon the number of students and the composition of the student body that came back to campus. And in the end, the decision was made for sophomores, juniors, and seniors to come back along with, with students who couldn't be successful at home. And, and we took a similar approach where we had, you know, some teams that could field competitive teams and were able to play some games and a number of teams that, that were not. But for all of our teams, and we were fortunate to have additional flexibility from the NESCAC in terms and the NCAA uh, in terms of who could be working out with coaches and when and things along, along those lines you know, really just focused on those small group sessions, being able to get together, mm -hmm. play the sport that you love to the extent that, that you could, mm -hmm. um, and hopefully develop relationships with classmates and teammates and coaches in a very different way than what would normally happen. So la the 2020-2021 academic year was really driven, our approach was really driven by the cohort of students who we had on campus and, and really trying to make the best of that and shifting into this year, you know, there was a lot of excitement early in the summer around the nature of the pandemic and, and the direction in which things were going. And then as we started to arrive in late August, early September, that shifted. But fortunately, we've been able to move forward with having teams competing and moving much more towards a familiar experience that students would have had historically. And and now that we're in the spring season, virtually all of the restrictions that we had in place, whether those were voting restrictions or conference restrictions, have been removed. And it's exciting to be able to see our teams, students and, and coaches being able to have a really enjoyable experience this spring. Absolutely. And and not to spend too much time dwelling on the past, and mm. that's something even I hate to do, but... Uh, since I have the opportunity, <laughs> being, being, yeah, that hindsight, being that hindsight's 2020, how do you think the athletic department could have better aided the student-athlete experience through those times? And maybe even thinking if this were to happen again, 
how how do you think this the college the athletic department could have better aided the student athlete experience going home losing that team environment and losing what is to so many the most important sort of uh, social support system that they have. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we would be really remiss if we weren't reflecting on exactly what you said. What if something along these lines was to happen again? What would we think about doing differently the next time around? And hopefully we're not in a situation like this again, but we, but we very well could be. I think that from a department perspective, you know, communication is really important and trying to keep people as informed as possible of what we know and when we know it and trying to lay out as clearly as possible the various possibilities that could be there while, while not getting people's hopes up too much so that they end up experiencing dis- disappointment if things don't end up going in the most optimistic way possible. And I think that a lot of our communication and my communication was done via email and bullet points out to our athletes to try to convey updates and things that may be coming down the pike. And I, I held a information session with some captains and leaders of, of a couple of our student groups in athletics early on in the pandemic in the spring of 2020. And it wasn't overly well attended. And I think that I took that as students probably want to have more of a communication via email or some other way rather than sitting around on a Zoom session and talking about all of this. I, I wish that in hindsight, I had approached that a little bit differently. And done a couple of those information sessions or office hours or things along those lines just so that people could see and hear directly from me. So if we were to do this again, I think that's something that I would probably devote more energy towards in terms of whether, and maybe no one would come to those office hours, but at least the opportunity would would be there, you know, for students to ask questions. And, you know, I, I hope that students could feel as though they could shoot me an email or stop by my office at any time. I understand the dynamic at at play there, but, you know, just trying to have a dialogue as opposed to kind of a one-way conversation, or at least providing the opportunity for that, I think would be something that I would do differently. Thank you for saying that. And then thinking about moving forward, as well as implementing the past into it, um, historically, sports have played a huge role in bringing communities together, whether that be at the city level, countrywide level, or the global level, especially in the most trying of times. How do you think losing sports in particular through the last two, three years impacted the student experience on campus and impacted the athlete experience and including the transition to getting back into those things and trying to move back towards normal. How did the last two, three years sort of shape the way things are going to go from here? Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned trying to find reasons for joy in the fall of 2020. I think that's something that sports does for a community and for us as individuals is gives us something to believe in that's not necessarily the end of the world, but is really, really important and a lot of fun, you know, and not having that for a couple of years pulled a really enjoyable component of the student experience out of the experience for the cohort of of students who who have been at Bowdoin over the last couple of years. And I think everyone wishes that that was not the case. I think that probably goes without being said, but you raise a really good a really good point that shouldn't be lost on all of us that it wasn't just the athletes who weren't able to participate or the musicians who weren't able to participate in orchestra performances or things along along those lines it was the community as a whole that didn't have those opportunities to come together and celebrate all that's great about Bowdoin i think what was really one of the most gratifying days of the year so far for me was when we hosted the NESCAC Volleyball Championship in Moral Gym in the fall. And the upper section of the bleachers was 
jammed with students and everybody was jumping around and having a good time and, and cheered our team on to a victory. And that was at a difficult period during the year for our campus community. And I felt as though that volleyball match, in a way, helped bring our community together. And it was really powerful to see that. And it's exactly what you were talking about in motion. And then I think coming out of winter break and the Colby men's ice hockey game Mm -hmm. um, down at Watson Arena, where we had over 900 students come to the game. And it was a really unique environment because we didn't have any other spectators there other than students. And you know, it was great to see the energy and fun that students were having. And I sometimes have to make sure I put myself back into my 19-year-old self, who was a student at Bowdoin as well. Um, right. Those are really, really good times and, and really important times. So celebrating being a college student, celebrating the peers who you have who are out, you know, competing, you know, with the, with the Bowdoin Bee on their, on their sweater. So I think it's really important. I think that it was really hard to not have a venue to be able to compete in and to be able to bring our community together. And I'm really, really happy that we're back at that now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I also think uh, sort of going off the last thing you said there, the, the, the ability to compete and sort of the way it helps you blow off steam. I think sort of the way that worked with a lot of the student frustrations around campus sort of worked hand in hand, the idleness, just sort of letting, letting idle thoughts just circulate. And I think losing that ability, having that outlet, definitely kind of increase the frustrations or the irritability of students. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if students weren't here on campus, it's one of the great things about being in a campus community environment is that you're around all of these people who you care a lot about and that you're learning from in a whole host of different ways in the dining hall, in the fitness center, at practice. I mean, who knows? So that was lost, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, as, as part of the pandemic. And I can certainly appreciate how that would be incredibly frustrating. Wherever people were during that 2020, 2021 academic year, it wasn't here. Mm -hmm. And when you think about your collegiate experience, you think about being somewhere and having a great experience. And it's just really unfortunate for this cohort of students that the pandemic happened to occur during their collegiate experience. And I think um, without question, all of those frustrations are, are valid. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I also think your original question offered a nice segue into the sort of second period of this conversation I wanted to have, which was shifting over into your experiences, your time as an athlete here versus now you have this great position at this great school. But having been a Bowdoin athlete not too long ago, how have the conversations regarding student athlete mental health changed since your time then to today? Sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to be friends for a long time because you just referred to my uh, time as an athlete, which was about 25 years ago, um, as not too long ago. So I appreciate that very much. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I agree with you that, yes, I'm incredibly fortunate to be in the position that, that I'm in. Having been a student athlete at Bowdoin, which was an incredible experience for me and really kind of instilled in me a strong belief in what the Division Three experience can be, which is having the the best of both worlds, getting a great education, being really involved in the community and continuing to play the sport that you love. And in terms of the like, way in which mental health was or wasn't talked about when I was when I was here, which I graduated in, in 1998, you know, it really wasn't something that people openly talked about. I, I, I can't really recall a conversation around mental health that would have been done either you know, as a team or something coming from the athletic department. I think at that time, it was largely kind of friend to friend 
conversations and support. I was on the Res Life staff, so I think that the Res Life staff played an important role in those in those days. I think the dean's office played an important role for students as well. I think Bowdoin was likely not any different than most institutions at that time, and I think that as mental health issues have become more prevalent in society, we've shifted our approach, rightfully so, um, to be much more open and direct about mental health and the support of mental health for, for our students. But when I was here, it was largely a uh, kind of peer-to-peer model. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as well, things were just very different 25 years ago, you know, in terms of just thinking about information flow and the timeliness in which, you know, everything is expected from people was was just drastically different. I think that's a small thing that just adds to the overall pressure that people face today that they didn't necessarily face 20 years ago. Right. I also think new ideas, especially from your history as a football player, getting your bell rung versus the the hyperattention to concussions and things like that today. And I, I really see that spreading into all sports. Definitely a new factor in the realm of mental health and sports and seeing what it's done to players retiring from their sports. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think there's two really important components to that. I think awareness and the way in which injuries to the head are recognized and treated is drastically different today. Mm. And I think the way that a number of contact sports are played is drastically different today than it was 20 years ago. You know, in football, if there was a screen pass that went over the head of a running back back in the 90s, people would celebrate that player just getting you know, run through by, by a defender and it would be on the highlight reels and all of that. And now those, you don't really see those plays in football anymore. And with men's lacrosse where a ground ball would be being battled for, um, you'd see people coming from 10 yards away and just leveling people. And you don't see that anymore. And both games continue to be great games, but those not so safe elements have been removed from them, which I think is another acknowledgement of the importance of mental health and taking care of one another that uh, goes beyond just the way in which, you know, our athletic trainers and medical staff will work with a student who, who has a traumatic brain injury. Yeah. I also think the new conversations around that have been super, super helpful just for kind of combining the ideas of sports and mental health, because all of a sudden there's this weirdly physical component that there never was prior to the idea of like, Oh, damn, concussions are kind of bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think given what has happened with the, the discussion of CTE and seeing how that's affecting players in the long run, I, I've really appreciated that discussion in particular opening up and just what it's allowed people to learn about the ties between the mental and physical side and sort of the trauma that e- even just the pleasure of being an athlete can bring you in the long run. Absolutely. And so moving, moving back to your role, your, your experience, um, how do you view your role as the athletic director here with regard to the responsibility for ensuring student mental well-being? Sure. Yeah. So I think it starts with the messaging to our coaches about the experience that we want our students to have as an athlete here. So we want them to be in a supportive, positive environment that is encouraging and allows them to have a great experience, while at the same time recognizing that we're in a competitive collegiate environment. And I don't believe that those two things are mutually exclusive. There's an old adage in in coaching, to coach up, not down. And I really believe firmly in that. I think that there are 
ways in which you can deliver messages, um, whether it's in a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a student, whether it's during practice or in the heat of the moment in competition, that can be just as effective without having to use some of the techniques that may have been used 20 and 30 years ago in terms of you know, vulgar language and really kind of dressing people down. In fact, right. for a lot of people, that ends up leading to worse performance rather than better performance. And what does that say about the way that we're role modeling for treating people just broadly separate from sports? So I think that's where it starts for me is in terms of messaging to our coaches and you know, bringing in speakers like John Gordon, who is, you know, best-selling author, um, very well-known speaker about, to, and he focuses on, you know, the power of positive coaching. Right. And uh, John came actually in February of 2020 and did a workshop with our coaching staff and did a talk on campus. And who knew at that time how much we were going to need to take a positive approach in trying times. Um, so that was definitely not planned, but was timely, I think, nonetheless. I think the second thing for me is, to make sure that our department is providing resources for students. So we're really fortunate to have the Leadership and Empowerment Through Athletic Principles Initiative in our department, which is funded by a former Bowdoin woman student athlete who created an endowment to support visits like John Gordon's visit to campus. Our partnership with Dr. Lauren Bush, a sports psychologist uh, in Portland who works with our students. Brianna Bruno, who's a nutritionist who, who works right. with our students. So resources along those lines that can can help in a holistic way in terms of thinking about the health and well-being of our of our students. And with Dr. Bush in sports psychology, one of the things we've talked about is that there's, you know, historically been a bit of a hurdle for athletes to get over to enter into counseling services. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about a little bit of a bravado associated with being an athlete. And historically, athletes have been a little less likely to utilize those services. Right. So by bringing Dr. Bush to the table, it, pre it presents and uh, a conduit for students to enter into those conversations in a very familiar way in terms of around sport and things along those lines. And, and a little bit of it is just trying to demystify, you know, the utilizing a, a counselor. And I think that I'm proud of the work that we've done to provide those resources to our to our students. So I think that those are really the two main things. So I think, you know, messaging to our coaching staff and providing resources that are available for our students to help them be successful and also make sure that, that their well-being is, is in a great place. Right. And I, I think you touched on a very important point, which is as much as you guys can provide the resources, it takes a lot, an extra step for students to actually seek them out and utilize them. And I think having open discussions and honestly, just raising awareness about having these opportunities is exactly the type of thing that might make a student sort of say, maybe just utilizing my friends, my most adjacent group of people might not be enough. Yeah. And it's interesting. We had Joanne uh, Palumbo Macaulay come to campus this spring and she's been, she wrote a book called Secret Warrior and has been very open about her mental health journey. And she shared a lot of details about that in a talk with our community and um, had a couple of students talk to coaches in the aftermath of that discussion about how empowering it was to hear someone talk about their own journey. And if if an event like that can impact two people, then that's great. And I think that it's it starts with being very open about talking about mental health. And we had Shamika Holsklaw come to campus, a WNBA basketball player, Olympian, and very similarly, very open about her mental health journey. And I think 
um, finding relatable, somewhat relatable stories through athletics where some of the barriers to entry can be removed, just hopefully provides for a better environment for our students. Right, right. Just kind of look into the future, wrapping up all the things you've said in the last couple of minutes. How do you hope to use your position moving forward, continuing with the things you've already put in place to really promote and improve the way mental health is discussed, not even within the sporting community, but on a campus like this in general? And what is the role of student athletes and and the general student body to help you and help the college ensure this vision? Yeah, I think think one of the things that is in the process of transitioning, not just at Bowdoin, but broadly speaking, is that mental health challenges for students and for student athletes need to be treated just like any other injury or challenge that someone may be facing. And I think that in athletics, the kind of gut it out, push through concept has been there for a very, very long time. And breaking through that to say, hey, you know what, if you're not having a very good day, or if you shifted some of the medication that you may be taking, and it's impacted your ability to either be at practice or be at practice fully or what have you, that those conversations are easy for students to have with coaches. Just like you would have a conversation about I injured a particular body part or things along those lines and I and I can't practice today. I don't think we're there broadly in athletics and I think that's some work that we, you know, can continue to do here. And I think we've we've made some strides, but there's work work to do there. So I think that kind of normalization of treating mental health challenges similarly to other challenges that students may face in the athletic context is something that's really important for us going forward. I think, you know, one of the fun but challenging things about working in higher education is that every four years, there's a new set of students who come through. And, you know, we need to be diligent about that foundational work that we do. And it may be a little repetitive for juniors and seniors when they hear things a second, third, and fourth time, but to make sure that students are aware of the resources that are here to support them and to be open to new ideas. What, what we're doing now may be very different than what we're doing five years from now, and to certainly not think that we've necessarily split the atom with the work that we're doing now, because there's always going to be additional things that we can consider providing for our students. And, and I think that we can hopefully play a role in helping the entire campus community um, through events that we may have. We have, you know, certainly, you know, mental health, D3 mental health week and D3 week just concluded last week and things along those lines. We can bring messaging to the campus community through the athletic context that hopefully ends up helping people who may not necessarily be on a a team at Bowdoin. Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me today from myself, from the BSAC. We appreciate you coming in, sharing your side of the story we appreciate you sharing your vision and how we can help fulfill that vision and really bring unity to this campus community in the way we approach the idea of mental health, which is, especially after the pandemic, uh, an ever important thing to, to talk about and really improve the way we approach as a collective. So I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to get together and for you bringing the topic to the table. So I enjoyed our, our time together and thanks for the invitation. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. You too. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Again, a huge thank you to Tim for joining me in the studio and being so open about his goals for this school and how us students can help him achieve them. 
It is exciting to see that the level of care and effort going into discussing mental health extends from the student body all the way up to the athletic administration, and I think it's a great indication for moving in the right direction into the future. The final episode of this little series will drop this Saturday and feature a sports psychologist from my past as an athlete who has special experience helping teams, coaches, and athletes strengthen the mental side of their games to improve overall performance. Speaking from personal experience, it works. So I'm super excited to share that one with y'all. Before signing off for the day, I would also like to say another quick thank you to the BSAC for involving me in this awesome, awesome week. Finally, another thank you to the NESCAC for acknowledging the importance of these themes and establishing this platform. If you enjoyed the episode today, please repost and share with the NESCAC's Mental Health Week hashtag, self-love is not selfish. Never be afraid to anonymously share your story and reach out anytime via Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next time. And as always, I can't wait to keep growing with you. (laughs) 